Hi, Poppy fans, and welcome to the PO Forecast episode 20. 20 episodes in, so cheers for listening, and what an absolute action-packed episode we've got, so I'm just going to fly straight into it. Uh, in part one, we're going to be reviewing the amazing victory against Norwich, followed by the continuation of Pompey being in the Checker Trade Trophy with the win over Southend. In part two, we're going to be doing some of your listener questions, doing transfer talk around the league, and then in part three, we're going to go and preview the Blackpool game. Matt, there's a lot to talk about, a lot to get our, our teeth stuck into, so let's just start at Norwich. Start yeah. with the easy one, let's talk about what happened. <laughs> well, I could talk about this all shows, but I'm still buzzing, mate, to be honest with you. Yeah. Like, what a, an all-round weekend for both of us, I think, to be honest, mate, like... The upgrade in the hotel, cheeky, executive yeah, yeah. suite. Yeah. Yeah. Walking around in your robe and your slippers, mate. <laughs> so, yeah, game. Um, wow. It, it spun me out, man. So, basically, um, didn't expect that one. I did call it in my prediction the week before. I Matt called the, did the cheeky call it. Yeah, if you could listen to the last episode, Matt predicted 1-0. Is that a first? Is that the first time you predicted the right score? Oh, I don't know. I think I'm going to have to go through all the episodes and re-listen to it, mate. We keep saying this. We need to get a tally going or something. <laughs> we do, yeah. Yeah, I think we need to start putting this up. Big a whiteboard in your lounge, mate. PO4 chart. Yeah, that's it, mate. That's yeah. It. Yeah, we need to get a whiteboard, get it all going. I'll have, like, Lee Brown and a little... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, so... Opinions. I think both of us came to to the point at half time where we were so disappointed with the way we were playing. The game was flat. I mean, I'm sorry, Palmer fans. I know a lot of you are big Brett Pittman fans, but I felt like he was such a letdown in that game. I felt like he put us under the cosh majority of the game. Every time the ball went up to him, it was coming straight back again. And I felt that was was a big problem. And, and to be honest with you, personally, in the first half, I felt like we could have easily conceded um, just due to the amount of pressure they were putting on. As I said to you just before we started the show, the stats were, possession-wise, Norwich had 66% in the first half. And considering that they went down to 10 men after was it 15, 15 minutes. 15 minutes, yeah. You know, so interestingly, we were we were also saying Daniel Farker came out midweek and and slammed the ref and said it wasn't a red card. Personally, I don't know what game he was watching. I mean, he was closer to it than we were, and I could see the moment it happened. I agree with what you said. I think it was a strong decision from the ref um, that early in the game. Well, it was I was going to say in, surprise, in surprisingly good decision because oh, a I massively think... good decision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it was brave. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, to, yeah. to that early to come out and make a decision like that. I think it had to be done. I mean, it was all right, but I think often you'd find refs bottle that. And That's what I'm saying. I think yeah. we're used to some of the appalling referees in League One that we have to deal with, yeah. and the referee actually comes out and makes the right decision. Yeah. Now, I sort of agree with what you said about Pittman, obviously. I think that Ollie Hawkins would have allowed us to push up, and what happened was that we were getting trapped deep in our own half, yeah. even with the extra man, because we were playing the ball up and struggling to retain possession. Yeah. And then what we're resorting to is trying to play long diagonal balls to people like Curtis and Lowe, yeah. who occasionally were getting them, but a lot of the time were actually failing to hold on to them. That's it, yeah. So that aside, though, because I will say Pittman did look like he was trying to jog around, and put pressure on a bit. I like the way you put Troy in. Though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I just think he's off the pace at the moment, he, mate. He's a little so bit. far off the pace. And I think the confidence has definitely gone. I mean, 
that cross that Lowe delivered in the first half for him last season, that's hitting the back of the net. Oh, that is. He's just got to head it down. Down. Just head keep that it down. down. Even if he doesn't head it down, he just gets his body over the top of it a little bit more. That's that's hitting the back of the net. I think the keeper had pretty much given up on it. Credit to Lowe. I mean, it was a beautiful... We were right pretty much on that ball, weren't we? Yeah, for, yeah, from we were, Lowe, yeah. And it was absolutely beautiful pass. Apart from that, though, let's move on because I actually think there's a lot, a lot of positives from that game oh, that we could talk about. Amount, yeah. So, obviously, it's a 1-0 win. Shout out to, to Mooney for making the call, which has gone viral yes. all over the internet. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Pompey Chiv for making the Titanic version of that, which has actually been on uh, BBC South and yeah. everything else. I, I mean, mean, what was it, over 40,000... Views it had eighty eight thousand I think yeah yeah but so um, credit to that I mean actually I'm going to say now to you Chiv like literally that's how it felt while I was in the ground it almost felt like Celine Dion should have just been on the speaker system while that was happening because it was absolutely legendary yeah it's an absolutely great touch and if you don't listen to uh, Chiv's uh, vlog already following the Pompey women uh, check him out yeah yeah so um, what, what's your opinion on the game personally I mean it, it, I mean here's, here's how it is really I think and we played structured yeah. uh, which I thought we would do against against the championship team they, they obviously have quite a a free flowing way of playing yeah. and I think that we didn't allow them to have any real high uh, danger scoring chances basically no not at all even though they looked a bit dangerous near the end they didn't actually create much that actually challenged McGilvery no. and also you've got to say that a lot of that credit has to go down to Matt Clark Jack Watmore yeah. in the centre back I mean I think um, the Pompey official Twitter released a clip which is basically a highlight of all the different challenges is, yeah, yeah. I mean Matt Clark getting in the way of that one of those shots that literally gets in the way of his head I think yeah, it was his face yeah it, it face first help patted him in the face it was an absolute amazing block and and obviously then I think what more followed up as well which yep. took the pace off the ball through to McGivery save Anton walks with an absolutely outstanding challenge really for all our listeners this is quite funny because Hugh actually thought that that was a, a nailed on penalty didn't you when yeah. it first happened yeah, and I it, said no 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 it's a great challenge it's yeah. a great challenge but you look it's back it's because it. it came from behind and when you're looking from the side and someone slides in from behind yeah. and it was obviously where we were sat as well in the away stand it was on the other side of us. It was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you had to look across the pitch and I just was, I just crumpled and went, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so just done a quick stats on that one. So possession-wise, game finished with Norwich at 56, Pompey at 44, which I think, you know, you, you had to expect that was going to happen possession-wise. Norwich keep the ball well, they knock it around well. And as, as we've said, the ball did keep coming back to them. So obviously that's, I think, probably helped them in, in possession terms. They had 15 shots on goal to Pompey's 14. Interestingly enough, they only hit the target three times and Pompey hit the target seven. So 50% um, sort of shots on target out of that, which is... You know, good against the championship team. Mm, just trying to think about what those ones were, but Jamal so Lowe's was, effort was, was obviously one from out of the box. Yeah. Um, I'm starting to to actually get lost on the ones that hit target. I mean, they, they obviously weren't that brilliant. I mean, Pittman had that one start the second half that he looped from about 20 yards, just sort of went wide-ish over. Missed chances. Obviously, had Ronan Curtis with that header. Yes. That that could have gone on target as well. I mean, what a cross that was again. And it came in so quick and I thought, just glance that on goal. That's going in. The keeper's mm. not stopping that. And it almost went for a for a corner, didn't it? Well, a throw in even, you know. Yeah. It was, it was... But let's be honest, Ronan gets nine out of ten of those on target. So fair play to, to the lad. 
Yeah, um, interestingly, and, and this is something we both said after the game as well, so Pompey committed 19 fouls to Norwich's seven. Again, I don't think the ref got any of them wrong in all honesty, but the one that I was actually calling out to actually commit the foul was the Ronan Curtis one in the second half with that right back. Mm. He did my head in every time anything came. I mean, he was almost like Nathan Thompson. Anytime he fell oxygen, he just fell to the floor and started holding his face. So I did want Curtis to clatter him a little bit and he did. And, you know, yeah, he took the yellow card for it, but... Let's hope he doesn't get uh, another yellow and get... QPR, yeah. Get suspended. With that stupid... (laughs) Stupid. Boy. Just going into that quickly, Ben. On a quick segue, obviously Jamal Lowe is now suspended for the next FA Cup game. Yeah, um, which is a bit disappointing considering the other Premier League teams and Championship teams who came into the cup in, in the last round haven't had the opportunity to pick up two yellow cards. So yeah, that's something that's causing a bit of uproar, yeah. should we say? Rightfully so as well. I think Kenny Jack has actually complained directly to the FA about it. I don't blame him. To be honest with you, I mean. As we've said, it's a big loss for us. There's also no Dave Wheeler with him uh, being on loan from QPR. So it's looking like Andre Green, which I don't think anyone will complain about. No. To be honest with you, I think he's he's an instant replacement for, for anyone on that side. So, you know, I'm not too worried about that um, in, no, in such a sense. I'm disappointed that we're, we're going to lose Jamal for that. He's, you know, clearly dangerous. We've, we've all seen it all season. Um, just a, a little laugh for everyone as well. Um, so I don't. Well, I presume everyone saw it. The Norwich media team coming out saying that oh. uh, we were celebrating like we'd won the World Cup, and and members of the press team, no names mentioned. You know, celebrating in the media box. Now, I'm sorry, but this is a big pet hate of mine. We're Pompey fans. You're a fan of your club. Why? Why is all this whole managers or press people celebrating becoming an issue? It's it's just passion. It's natural. And I'm sorry if you haven't got the capability to do that, then you need to. to go a, and support it was a it else. was a complete last minute winner as well. So I can completely understand that. Big yeah. up respect to the lads at Express FM. Yeah. And we did a little video back for him in the morning, didn't we? In the we did in the hotel. It's coming home, boys. <laughs> yeah. So um, we I'm, I'm backing them on that. To be honest with you, I think go and celebrate, especially such a massive result. You know, you were you were getting messages from your mates, weren't you, in like the 85th minute saying, take a replay, you know. One of, one of my friends is a Norwich fan from uni, that's what Matt's referring to, and uh, he was saying, take a replay, take a replay. Well, no, I'm not taking a replay, mate, because we're going through to the fourth round. We are, yes. So, all rounds, you know, I, I don't think it could have got any better for anyone, to be honest no. with you. Um, what a way to win. I'm loving the the whole um, shithousery comments at the moment of Bumpy being like that. I think, to be honest with you, yeah, we are. But do you know what? It works. It's effective. Norwich didn't like it at all. We got up in their faces the whole game. You know, and to be honest with you, I think it comes out more out of frustration. I mean, I saw Neil Allen um, wrote an article saying that you know, those back four, they didn't step out of line at all the whole game. And they didn't. They didn't. Not one of them did I ever think they lost position. And even if they did, they put their body on the line to get back what into is it. Call my defence. We've got to mention Dion Donahue, who is by far, oh, you know, oh, man of the match. What a, what a player. What, what a First of all, what performance all round. But secondly, that ball... That ball, he just picks. He just literally. You one think quick he's look, one quick look, and he just plays the cross ball. It's, it's it's the difficult ball to play as well. It's not the easy one. He knows Andre Green's got the legs, and he that is beautiful. Isn't I've got it? to admit, looking looking back on that, so the ball's come to Green. He's taken that beautiful touch. 
he had low like steaming inside of him to the left. He had Wheeler steaming outside of him to the right. I mean, both, both of it, I'm going, please play the pass, please play. Just only really for the simplicity. That was all it was. I, you know, I know Green's got a capability. Did to you listen to his interview after the game? Yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When he said he had tunnel vision at that point. Yeah. And, and do you know what? That's a sign of a, of a good player. Which, but it's playing with confidence. If, you, yeah. if, you, if you've got that tunnel vision, one mind, I'm going to score. You know, you, you can't argue about that sort of confidence. Well, obviously he's got quite a few goals in the cup. And he, he literally said now he's got the belief that when he comes on, he's going to score. So nice one, Andre. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to, to watch him against QPR if that is going to be the case and he is going to come in. I think he's going to cause a lot of problems and hopefully get another FA Cup goal. Yeah, all right, wicked. Well, so let's just quickly go over the South End game, mate, because... It's well, we've got to competition. So I mean, uh, I saw uh, some Pompey fans are saying, "Fuck's sake!" Even a game we don't want to win, we win, and that's how good we are at the moment. Let's yeah. be honest, people. Southend played quite a senior team against us, I think. Actually, um, I don't really know enough about them to know their. Squad. Well, I know they were they didn't play a young team. Put it that way. Yeah. So. Yeah. Obviously, big starts. Um, shout out to Dan Smith, who started yeah. in an odd position for me at right back. Yeah. But Joe Gallum was saying that he wants him to try and be able to play there as well. He thinks he's a you know, a player who could play right back. I know Dan played attacking midfield yeah, before he so, played striker. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he's also played central midfield as well. Mm. And, and he said he prefers playing in that position. No, he plays central attacking midfield. midfield yeah. He doesn't play centre mid. He's he not like a Ben Thompson player. So he said he didn't like playing with his back to goal, which he was finding probably the most difficult, he said, this season. So, right back, it gives him the opportunity to run at players. I don't think he said he didn't like playing there, with his back to goal. I think he was no, saying he was learning, learning to play. To, yeah, sorry, I'll take that back. Yeah, So, he was learning to play and he had found it different from, from yeah, his yeah. usual position. But, as you uh, rightly put out on Twitter, what a cross for the first goal. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's the amazing cross. And then that really leads into the Louis Dennis scoring that goal. First goal for Pompey. Yeah. Hey. yeah, yeah, and it was a lovely header. Nice looping header. Yeah. Um, not the sort of player you expect to, to be getting on the end and, and looping a header over the top of the keeper, but classly done, I've got to say. And again, an impressive performance from him. I mean, that second goal... How, yeah. how he's got that ball to Evans over that much pressure as well. He's got really quick feet, hasn't he's he? Such quick his feet. his his ball control is you know out of this world really, yeah. and you feel that he's at some point he's got to make an appearance in the first team, come off the bench, you know, in a league game, something like that. And if he's not going to do that, he really needs to go out on loan and play more football. Yeah, he does. And I, I mean, think he actually said that in the news article today. He said that. Obviously, he wants to stay at the club and you know potentially win a title. Yeah. But if that's not going to happen, then he, you know, he's happy to go on loan if that opportunity arises. I mean, I, I wouldn't begrudge him alone, in all honesty. But at the same time, I don't want to lose a talent like that. You can see the capability he's got. You know, he scored the first, created the second. In the last Trick Trade Trophy game as well, he was absolutely outstanding. Mm -hmm. And, you know, rightly so, there was videos put out of, of his quick feet and the passes he was making... You know, I, I think you're right in the sense that, I mean, he has finally started actually getting onto the bench, which is, is has been a big sign. But he's a sort of player that, you know, could crack open a, a team that are sitting back and, and not, you know, sort of shifting a little bit. I think Norwich yeah. could have done with someone like Kim on the weekend, to be honest with you, you know, just no, to draw players out. And we were saying it a lot as well. 
I, I mean, I'm not going to keep going back to the Norwich game, but there was a lot of occasions where we broke and no one was making that run and pulling the defenders away. Yeah, actually, Matt Clark was one of the players who did actually suck in defenders, didn't he? he before did, yeah. Before laying the ball off to create space. Yeah, that's it. So, you know... That that that's impressed me again, Louis Dennis, and, and let's just hope we see a lot more of him. Gareth Evans, Hugh. So you you made a cheeky shout um, before the game. Well, yeah, we're gonna we'll go back a bit more into this later on. But when we talk about you know transfer gossip and that kind of thing, but yeah, I'm actually surprised, but also happy that Kenny Jacket did what I wanted him to do and tried Gareth Evans in the centre midfield role, uh, where he could potentially play alongside Tom Naylor. Yep. Now that Ben Thompson has gone back to Millwall. And I think that when you look at possibly slotting in Andre Green into the attacking midfield role, role yeah. you think Gareth Evans, we all know Gareth Evans can play different positions. I mean, he has played different positions for Pompey yeah. over his career. And I think he's got the engine to play in centre midfield. Definitely has. I think he's got the, he's got the engine to, to carry the ball forward like Ben Thompson does. He definitely tracks back as well. Yeah, yeah. And he's got the passing ability. I don't see why he can't play in that position at all well so. I mean he, he's proved it yesterday he's scored a screamer yeah uh, in the in that first half again as we said made by Louis Dennis unfortunately Wheeler hit the post as well in the first half which pretty much would have closed that game out yeah um, and I think not long after that that we actually had a little bit of a, a sort of shutdown in defence from a quick free kick um, and they played a, a good ball across goal player was just slightly off it on the back post um, so you know again it's it's those small little details sometimes but in the Checker Trade Trophy as far as I'm concerned that's what, that's what it's there for it's there for people to iron it out yeah. um, shout out as well uh, Leon Maloney made his first start for Pompey so congratulations there as well mate yeah right. um, Brad Lethbridge obviously again leading the line there leading the line it looked fun. dangerous in the first half I thought yes definitely yeah um, quick run of stats on this one so 52 possession for Southend to our 48 they had 11 shots on goal we had 15 out of their 11, only one hit the target, uh, three for us. So conversion rate not great in that game. Um, and then there was 11 fouls from Southend to R12. So Well, it's one of those games, isn't it? We've progressed and it's one of these trophies that I think the big question is looming now. We're in the quarterfinals and this is a question that's been put out there by various people on Twitter. Are we going to go to Wembley? If we get to, if we get to Wembley... Are we actually going to go and turn up the, the fans? Are the fans going to go for a day out? Are they going to hold the boycott? Because you know, I think there was about 170 fans at Southend the other day. Yeah, which I is mean, poor. Because, it, but it's not poor because we're boycotting. So I'm just trying to work out really I where think, people stand on that. I mean, for for me, morally, if we're going to boycott, we can't boycott the whole competition and then turn up in our thousands for the final because then it'll just continue being exactly the same it is. And that's what we don't want. We, we're trying to get this out, you know. We could send a real message, in my opinion, if we actually, if no one went to the game. Yeah. If they, if it turned up and Pompey sold, I don't know, 5,000 tickets. Yeah. I mean, an empty Wembley would just embarrass them even more, really, in my eyes. And yeah. It, don't get me wrong. I, I want to turn up as a sort of team for every game. I, I, I wouldn't ever say that I didn't want to. But the, the problem is... I want this tournament to, to be changed and to stop and to give the teams... It was created 
for teams in League One and League Two to go on a cup run and, and have a good fun at Wembley. Yeah, not for Man City. Not for Man City yeah. under twenty ones to come in and have their glory days. You know, they they've got enough already. Um, just out of interest, if anyone cares, they won nine 0 against Burton tonight. Another League One team. Um, I believe that's 16 goals in two games for City now. Isn't so. that the first leg? Yeah, that is the first leg. Oh, so it could Burton be Albion. Hopefully Burton, you know, as a League One, fellow League One team, they, they might do themselves proud in the second leg. Who knows? Um, anyway, so yeah, that's that's my opinion on the Czech Trade Trophy as yeah. far as I'm concerned. Right, well, that, at least that's done for a little bit longer. So, just yeah. to quickly, um, while, while we're on the topic, right. the... Uh, Czech Trade Trophy is now no longer regionalised it's now opened up so we could be heading up to Berry Berry yeah hey. and, and in fact, pack I'm, your bag Matt well do you know what I'm a big fan of Berry they've actually got an arcade there that's pretty impressive so so if any of you are a fan of the Czech Trade Trophy hit Matt up on Twitter and he can <laughs> recommend a arcade that you can go to that's it yeah <laughs> alright welcome to, to answer any questions on that all right. <laughs> anyway, I've, do you know what, actually, mate? I've actually found a GameCube. You've had a GameCube? Yeah, my, in my parents' uh, attic, so we've been playing some Mario Kart later. Oh, I love that, mate. Yeah, on, mate. nice one. Anyway, that's the end of part one, and in a minute we'll be back to do some jazzy little sounds, and we'll fly straight into part two. Welcome back to part two of the PO Forecast and Matty, it's January, we're in the thick of it, it's transfer news time, we're going to be talking about some potential replacements first of all for Ben Thompson, that's right, Ben Thompson, if you don't know already, you've been living under a stone for the last few weeks, he's gone back to Millwall, recalled by Millwall, obviously that's their prerogative, he is a Millwall player and in that sense we need to be looking forward, who can we get to replace him? Now... Uh, I've been looking into a few bits and bobs and I found an absolutely outstanding article by Jay Taylor from Football League World. He happens to be a Millwall fan as well, so he knows all about Ben Thompson and he's discussed four potential replacements, Matt, for Ben Thompson that we could probably sign. So let's go through these four signings, we'll yep. do a little bit of analysis, see what we think about it. Um, the first player up we've got is uh, Lewis Wing, he's from Middlesbrough. Matt? What do you think about Lewis? Yeah, so um, some impressive cup displays this season for him. Um, scoring in the win at Palace in the third or fourth round of the League Cup this season. He's also made 14 appearances for Middlesbrough in the league this season. He hasn't scored or created any assists in those appearances. Um, but I don't really know how long those appearances have been, if it's just been from the bench. I think some have been end. some appearances, yeah. Um, but... There's definitely a lot of hype about Lewis Wing. I think he's the sort of player that could definitely improve for Middlesbrough coming out on loan to us. And I think a lot of clubs would see that as a statement if we've got a player of his calibre in. And he, he can also play down the middle, not just out wide. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't mistake his name for, for, <laughs> for his position. He can play down the middle. He He's a lot taller than Ben Thompson. Um, I would probably say physicality-wise, they're probably the same good work rate as well he's and technically gifted isn't he he is technically yeah. gifted um, I think as well if I remember rightly he's made a couple of um, England appearances for the under 18s under 18s well. yeah so you know it's one of those players that I think it fits and it looks right whether it could happen obviously is a completely different thing but yeah um, first first sort of 
replacement, as, as we can say. I, I think that's definitely a good call for me. Right, so I've done that one. Matt, going to the second one. Who's the second one that was Jay suggested? <laughs> yeah, so this one for me seems um, a bit of a strange one. I can see the logic behind it, but it doesn't Especially really coming sense. from a Millwall fan. Yeah, so this one is Jem Karachian. Well, I mean, for me, he's a well-known player. I don't know if anyone else knows much about him. Former Reading player, now at Millwall. He's 29. um, And he is on a short-term contract, which actually expires at the end of the month for Millwall. So it would be a free signing. Obviously, pretty much like for like, but do we need to be bringing in a 29-year-old when we've got a, a squad full of you know, youth and, you know, sort of a buzz going on. I can't really see well, him being that type of player This is the me. thing. I think if he does get brought in, it's going to be one of those ones that Kenny Jacket knows Millwall well, doesn't he? He does. He so, actually signed him for yeah. Millwall 10 years ago. Yeah. So he knows him well as a player. Obviously, rated him highly enough to go and get him from Reading and bring him into Millwall. It just... It's not the exciting it's signing not. you're thinking, isn't it? It's not. Whilst the next one, but it is for me is is a bit more exciting, but definitely unknown. Did right. you want to cover that one? Yeah, if I can pronounce his name right. I think we're just going to have to gamble on this one. I'm going to go with Sammy Samojix. Yeah, Samojix. S Z M O D I C S. You guys can correct me on how you pronounce his name but um, the midfielder obviously plays he plays for Colchester United he's 23 years old I believe he's got 7 goals Matt or 8 8 8 goals a season 3 assists 3 assists yeah he's really highly touted at the moment and apparently he's one of the main reasons that Colchester are where they are which is 8th just outside the playoffs and the good thing they've put at the end just on cover of this he's only 23 I just said that mate did you? yeah there you go yeah so he's 23 but He's a player that we'd have to sign on a permanent basis. Colchester don't have loads of money, so it would be one that we could probably go out and not invest hugely in, yeah. but potentially have a player that, <clears throat> excuse me, if he works out, yeah. he could actually be part of the young core going forward. Definitely. So, you know, we're looking at players from the Championship that can come down to us, from League Two that can come up to us. I think that that would be quite an exciting signing for me. And as far as I know, he's a very dynamic player. He is very dynamic, yeah. Um, he... For such a young player as well, uh, he uses his body well, uh, shields the ball, he's got good passing ability as well. So, I mean, in terms of this article being a like-for-like replacement, I think, you know, he's a good shout. And the, the, the fact that he's only 23 excites me quite a bit, you know. And eight goals in League Two, three assists, not a bad return really for a Colchester side that weren't expecting yeah. to do so well this year. Yeah, and then I'll just kind of roll into the last one. We'll go to do this one together, mate. Yeah, because um, this is my favourite. This is Matt's favourite one. So if we're going to go for this one, what we're going to need to do is we're going to need Matt Clark to get his mobile out. Yeah. To get on WhatsApp and be like, yo, what's up, Teddy Bishop? How's things at Ipswich for you, mate? Yeah, And yeah. Uh, Matt, tell us why Matt Clark should pick up his phone and contact Teddy Bishop. Okay, so they both came through the Ipswich Academy at the same time, uh, along with another player called Andre Dozel, um, who's actually being touted for Premier League teams Brighton, Bournemouth and Palace 5, Five million. million so we all know well, I, I don't. I, I know well enough that Ipswich have always turned out good academy players as per Matt Clark yes yeah um, unfortunately for Teddy Bishop he has just had extremely unfortunate injuries that have kept him out for long periods of time he actually hasn't played consistently since 2014-15 so that's a slight concern but 
a step down into League One might be a really good call for him to get him back into to play in the way that I have seen him play. I mean, Dozel and Teddy Bishop were at one point the main core of Ipswich centre midfield in the Championship, so he can do it. You know, and I heard he's match fit now as well. I'm ready to go. He is, yeah. And I think you know Paul Lambert probably wouldn't think it was a bad shout considering the season Ipswich have had. They're not overly going to miss him. He's, he, as I said, he's been out for such a long time. He hasn't actually made any appearances for Ipswich this season. And I believe that they're going to invest a bit in January and try and drag themselves out of the situation they're in. They are, yeah. And obviously, if Dozel goes as well for five million, you know, then he might not even get a look in with the replacements that are going to come in. So, all round, I think it's probably my favourite of, of the choices that they've put in the article. Um, that's just personal preference, but. Give us a shout out on at PO Forecast. Let us know if um, you're particularly a fan of any of these players that we've mentioned. Yeah, and if you've got any suggestions as well, tweet us up as well as that. Yeah. So yeah, that's the first one, Matt. Potential Ben Thompson replacement. Tick, 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 tick. Tick, tick. There's definitely. options out there, people. There's no need to just... It's not the end of the world. Kenny can go out there if he chooses to invest in another central midfielder. That's it. So that leads us on nicely to... Hugh's big tweet this week of the breaking news that Mark McNulty could be leaving Reading. Mark McNulty has apparently been transfer listed by Reading. Obviously, they've got a new manager who's come in the end of December and he's been told he needs to ship players out to ship players in, which is fair enough. So Mark Minolti obviously signed for, I think it was one and a half million actually. He was. From, from Coventry. Pompey fans will be aware of him. He played for us. I believe he got 11 goals for us when he played for Portsmouth. Yeah. He, he's, well, I put this out there and they got a lot of talk, but that way, I think it was 83 likes, over 11,000 people checked this tweet out. Now, Matt, this has been a debate that's polarised fans, I'd say. Some of them are like, yes, sign him up. Getting back in, other fans are saying no, he's not. He's not good enough. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, what do you think? For me, to be honest, I, I think he's definitely the sort of player that I think KJ would probably be looking at. He, for me, is the the pinnacle of a player that gets into positions. He causes defenses problems. He goes near post, far post, runs the channels well, and as. You know, yeah, all right, he's done it in League Two, and but he's a proven goal scorer. You know, he he's quick, he's nippy, he's sort of player that if things aren't quite going right for you up front, you know, he's an ideal player to bring on. He knows where the net is. Very contrasting to Hawkins as well. Which Massive is what you contrast, need. yeah, and that, and I think this is what what sort of baffled me a little bit about the negativity of it. You know, I'm a big fan of Hawkins. All our listeners will know that. I think you, you're, yeah, you're yeah, I'm a big fan well. of Hawkins. But sometimes when a player like Hawkins, you know, it's not working out, you know, bringing Lowe and, and Curtis into the game through through his height and physicality that he can use, or he's having a bad day like he did at Gillingham, what what more do you want? Do you want to bring on another big tall striker? I know people are saying we need a tall striker with pace. I mean You try and find us one you of those. You try and find. Yeah. And, and if you and if any of you do, then let me know. But I mean, I know there was the talk of that lad from Oldham um, who scored against Fulham in the FA Cup uh, on Saturday. I mean, I wouldn't say he's full of pace. Mark Minolte, on the other hand, is full of pace. Yeah. And if we're going to carry on the theme of shithousery, then Mark McNulty is is perfect for that. You know, I've seen him do it enough times. He 
gets at players, he gets involved, isn't scared to get involved in a scuffle as well. Yeah, he definitely has that Ronan Curtis get under players' skin sort of vibe as well, doesn't he, man? Yeah, he does. So let's... And, I mean, if you think about it, Lee Brown, Ronan Curtis, Mark McNulty, you know, all all winding up defences, as far as I'm concerned, it can only be positive in my light. He knows the club well as well, which would be, you know, not meaning that he'd have to come and adjust. I do agree with your point, though. I think possibly alone with an option to buy. Yeah, I think that, that, that's what bet. I'm looking for. Um, obviously, let's just read out a couple of comments from you guys on this tweet. Uh, Luke Ellis, cheers for the tweet, Luke. As always, he says, no, it's not what we need right now, even though he's a quality player. Still want us to sign another target man with a bit of pace. Well, yeah. Matt's already covered that. Luke, he obviously remembers all your tweets well. Um, we're also having a look that, you know, uh, Lynn Warner said, oh yes, most definitely, please. So, um, some other people have tweeted him. Mason Lemon said, agreed, any potential money spent on him, we better spend elsewhere. Well, that depends if we paid for him up front or if we got him on loan, I would have thought as well. Uh, Connor Phillips says, for me, I think he's very capable of doing it in the championship. He just never got the chance at Reading. Yeah. He's got the goal scoring touch that we desperately need. I agree. Yep. So it's very, very mixed bag, I would say, of people. I mean, Reading fans came back as well. They joined in the fun. They asked, can we afford him? They want back the best part of a million, but then came back and said 750k. And potentially, depending on his wages and how much we could pay for them, a loan was an option. Milo, who's a Reading fan, put it out there and said that it probably need a permanent deal. Depends on the wages that we're spending. He would say that we should take him on loan because he isn't sure if he's good enough for the championship yet. Then again, he's only been there for six months and hasn't had that many opportunities. No. And then Talon James, again, with a quite a sparky comment, he says, I like Sparky. He's a Pompey player in my eyes and he's a feisty little fucker as well. Him and Curtis would be a nightmare. Yeah, I agree. Completely agree. I think for me, it's, it's the added goals that he'll bring. Maybe he's not the most stylish forward. Maybe he's not the most physical forward. Maybe he's not going to go and score a load of goals with his head. Is that really, you know, something to judge him on? No, as far as I'm concerned, if he's going to get scrappy goals being in and around the box, which he's known for, yeah, that's what we need. We need to be, you know, the, the big deal all season has been, can we kill teams off, you know? I mean, if you look at our XG stats, we actually, us and Luton, create the most high danger scoring opportunities in the league by a long way as well. Head and shoulders, shoulders. by everyone else. Yeah. And you look at how Luton are scoring... Yes. And yeah. then you look at how we're scoring and you think maybe with someone a bit more of a clinical touch, we could be scoring, you know, loads of yeah. goals or finishing teams off better. Yeah. So for me, I'd like to see Sparky back. I'd like to see him on loan with the option to buy. Not not committed to buying him, but, but with an option if we want to take it up to buy him at the end of the season. Definitely. And I reckon a fee between 500k and 750. Reading want to sell. Yeah. They're going to they're going to have to dip. I mean, uh, with that comment from the Reading fans saying they want the best part of the million back, I, I think you can't justify paying a million back when no. you know he's not had the opportunity to play. Their loss, really, I think it was a bit of a a bit of a run move. I think they lost Reading lost a striker, didn't they, in the summer, and he came in to replace. Yeah, I can't them. remember who it was though. Can you? I can't. No, no. Um, but I know it was a, a bit of a rush for them. So yeah. You know, I, uh, personally for me, I think it's a great move. Agree with you, definitely. Loan with an option to buy. Cool. So yeah, so 
basically now that we've covered Mark McNulty and we've covered the huge response that was on there, we're going to go into some listener questions. Yeah, let's do your listener questions. So, so there's been some really, really good ones. Um, we've only chucked in a couple for, from you guys. Um, so the first is from a new listener. Yeah, it's from Davey, listening in Spain, I believe. Yeah. And Davey said, first of all, it's time for... Davy's debate. <laughs> yeah, taking over from me this week. That's right. I said I'd give him a shout out on that sense. So Davy said, if Andre Green was a permanent signing and not alone, would he be in the starting eleven? Now, Matt, Davy's actually gone out there as well and done a poll. Yeah, he's doing so, my job for me this week. Yeah, Davy's actually done a poll, and uh, to be honest, mate, I think it's definitely more popular than any of your polls you've ever done as well. Oh, cheers, mate. Uh, which. Which is you know, not that hard to beat, let's well, be honest. It's not really, no. Let's have a look. Where's the poll gone? I've actually had it on my screen. Here we go. So, he had 247 votes. Yep. It's pretty similar to Matt's polls, really. I'll give Matt credit. <laughs> 63% of people said yes. If he was permanent, he would be starting more. 37% said no. Okay. So, I mean... It's it's a little bit more convincing than, than my polls in terms of results, really, isn't it? I think it's probably because he asked one question with a yeah, solid answer. Yeah, instead of my two hundred questions in one poll. But it's an interesting one for me, to be honest with you. I'm. I mean, this is just a personal opinion. I'm wondering if he's made it more difficult for himself by joining the club on loan and then swiftly going off for his knee up. I think it's really held him back from getting more first-team performances this season. But, like any good player, he's doing what he should be doing and he's proven himself every time he's played for us so far this season in my eyes. He's been, you know, he scores goals. Yeah. He runs at players. And I particularly like what he, he said in, in the press that you pointed out to me this week when he picked the ball up from Dion Donoghue's pass. He had tunnel vision straight for goal that's the sign of a player that's got confidence for me mm. and it's only promising really I would here's, here's what I think yeah I don't I don't really think it's a necessary thing about him being permanent because you look at the players where he who's competing for a place against yeah, Jamal exactly. Lowe running coast they're permanent as well so yeah. if Jamal Lowe was a loan signing and he was a permanent signing and you flip that round the other way yeah. then maybe he would Possibly, but I don't think Kenny Jackett picks the the lineup on those bases. Otherwise, Ben Thompson wouldn't be playing in midfield, for instance. Yeah. So I actually disagree with everyone who listened a little bit. What I would say though is Andre Green is he more likely to start now that Ben Thompson has gone? That's the question I put out there. Yeah, yeah. And I would say that yes, because I think if we don't manage to get any of those players we were touted in just earlier on, yeah. you might see um, Gareth Evans drop back into central midfield. Now I've got a bit of bit of stick on this. Yep. But he did start against South End in that central midfield role, did well. Yep. And then I think a spot opens up for Andre Green in the front three. Yeah. No, I, I couldn't agree more. And I mean, how powerful is that front three? Curtis, Lowe and Green, you know, charging at you. How much pace and skill is there there and finishing ability? And do you know what? As we've said, I think that, you know, ultimately was missing against Norwich. I think... If, you, if you'd lobbed Green in from the start in that, I think we're going to be opening them up a little bit more because he's the sort of player that is going to run with the ball and draw defenders in and let the players like Curtis and uh, Lowe run on and, and open up that space. So, yeah, do you know what? I think now he's definitely got an opportunity to take it and prove that he can do that. 
I don't. I think it, it's so hard to to scream. Would he be permanent if he was? You know, would he be a permanent starter if he was a permanent player? It's difficult. It's difficult for me. At the moment, no. Right, Louis Dennis is is signed permanently. He's not starting. Ben Thompson, obviously, he was loaned. He was starting. I don't think Kenny Jacket based starts on contracts. I think he based it on performance. Performance, yeah. So that's my touch on that. So next question, Matt, is from. It's from our lovely Greg at Walks This Way. So Greg has said. Seeing Pittman rarely starting, should Gareth Evans be handed the captain's armband permanently? Yes. Yes, for me, 100%. As I've said, I don't want to keep slandering him because, you know, he's been a massive part of our squad. And, you know, I'm still a fan of Pittman. But I think you need a leader that's going to be on that pitch all the time, no matter what. Interestingly enough, Greg did kind of add a little bit at the end, which we haven't mentioned in the fact that Greg said, also should Gareth be handing over the armband when Pittman comes on? No. 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 Not I, Unfortunately for me, that's not even worth talking about, really. I, you can't do that to a player. And I'll be honest, I think... You don't need to relieve a player of captaincy. No, not at all. And, I mean, you could say it the other way around, well, has Pittman been relieved of captaincy? Well, yeah, Pittman has been relieved of captaincy, but purely based on the fact that he hasn't fitted into the squad this season. We've changed the way we've played. We've slightly changed the formation a little bit as well. And on that, I think, therefore, you need a captain that's going to be starting. You need, you need to have someone wearing the captain's armband on the pitch, even just to talk to the referee and stuff. Yeah, and I think it, you know, it, it's eventually probably going to get a little bit confusing when you know your captain's going to be building you up before a game and that captain isn't actually going to be on the field. True, but, but at the same time, right, I do think... That the whole thing about a captain, okay, I don't really think it's actually that important nowadays. I think we've got lots of leaders in the squad. We've got Matt Clark, who leads at the back, Jack Watmore, obviously. You've got players just across the team now. You've got Lee Brown, yeah. Dion Donahue, more senior players. And I think that it's more of a team collective. You've got like big players in big positions. McGilvery, you, you've got, I don't think it's just one person who leads the team. I think no, it no, really, I think nowadays you've got a whole group of, of leaders in the dressing room. So it's probably not that important who. No, that's, that's right. So uh, we're going to do a very, very quick roundup of what's been going on in League One today. There's been some um, quick release news. So Nathan Jones, Nathan is, Jones out. is gone. So, Hopefully, as every Pompey fan has been saying, that will dent Luton and slow down their title charge this season. So, as anyone doesn't know, Nathan Jones, Luton manager, has now left the club and joined Stoke on a three-year, three-and-a-half-year? Three-and-a-half-year deal. Three-and-a-half-year deal. Obviously, that is a big blow for Luton. He's taken them out of League Two into yeah. League One with the same squad-ish, and he's got them where they are. So, just a quick interesting stat on that, got you, actually, just to cover that. So, under... Uh, Nathan Jones tenure, so that's 170 games. Yeah, Luton scored 301 goals. Wow. So that's uh, actually 1.77 goals a game average, mm-hmm. um, which is you know it's impressive. It shows they can score goals. It's something we've been missing slightly this season, and they've conceded 174 goals in 170 games. So just over one a game. Okay, which is pretty solid if you ask me. Potential replacements for Nathan Jones. I've heard a little bit of chat about Danny Cowley possibly coming in from, from Lincoln. Yeah, so watch that space. Definitely. And 
Just quick one, our support is with Southend, fellow League One team, yep. who have been faced with a winding up order for unpaid tax. So, yeah. So, our best wishes with Southend, you know, get in touch with the Pompey fans, they'll tell you how to, to save save your club. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, obviously we actually can't offer any support apart from our personal support out there. That's it. And exactly. maybe a few quid. <laughs> yeah. Somehow we get some money. Yeah, if they're lobbing some buckets around on the uh, day <laughs> we play them on Sky, we'll, we'll obviously help you guys out. All right, Pommy fans, so we're going to fly back into part three now, where we're going to be previewing the Blackpool game. That's it, Blackpool game. Hi, Pommy fans, and welcome back to part three of the PO forecast, and we're going to be looking at the upcoming fixture against the worst-run club in Britain, Blackpool. Yeah, so they've been having a bit of a rough time the last few seasons. Really rough time, and we, we literally feel... Feel for Blackpool, feel bad for you people out there, Blackpool fans, because absolute disgrace is happening at your club and hopefully the fans can buy the club out at some point and put them back on the right path. Yeah, that's it. I mean, they did shock a few people at the start of the season, actually, um, in terms that I don't think they were really touted to do that well this season and they they actually... Understandably, yeah. They lost their manager, didn't they? He left and walked out on them. Yeah, so Gary Bowyer walked away and, you know, they had a good season under Gary Bowyer last season. So I think it was expected to dump them more. But as I said, they they actually started off really well. Yeah. Um, But, Pompey fans, good news. It's good time to start playing Blackpool. They've had uh, a real big dip in form. They've been on the... It's a big dip. Yeah, big Dipper in form. Big Dipper, yeah. The, the Pepsi Max Big Dipper. Yeah. Um, so they are currently sitting 11th in the table now. 11th in the league. and Nice, right? Their last six, they've lost five, drawn one. Lost five, drawn one. I thought it was lost four, drawn one in five. If you count the FA Cup tie as well. Okay. But league form, yeah. You're right. They, yep. They've lost four, drawn one in league form. So all season, they have won nine, drawn eight, lost eight. So they've lost eight, and actually they've lost four in the last five. Five. So, so that, that shows. shows yeah. yeah, it does. It does. And the, you know they were up around eighth. At yeah, the, they were um, all in the playoffs, weren't they? They were. So this is a good time for us. Um, they, albeit though, do have some good players, and they have. They're another team that have a good widespread of goals. So they've top scorer n- for them this season is Armand Nordule who has eight goals for them this season. So, you know, it's around, it's around our top scorer mm. mark, so not too bad. They've got um, Nathan, Nathan the Funk, Del Funk, so, haven't they? They have. Um, one of Hughes' favourite football manager pastime signings, ex-Aston Villa. Um, he's actually got five this season himself. Yeah. So not bad at all. And then sharing uh, four goals is three players that I know particularly well. Don't know if other Pompey fans do. Jay Spearing, ex-Liverpool, mm-hmm. ex-Bolton, he's got four. Mark Cullen, who scored against us in the reverse fixture at Bloomfield Road at the start of the season. They don't like him. Um, and he had a he was sort of one of their pivotal players in their promotion push when they were, came out of League Two. And Joe Dodo, um, who is formerly of Leicester, but was at Rangers playing in the SPL last season or season before. Right, okay. So Dodo, right? Yeah, yeah. Um Hopefully we'll be a bit of a dodo on Saturday and we won't hear too much from him. Matt, are you quaking in your boots about Blackpool? I wouldn't say I'm quaking in my boots, but if you remember rightly, they came and did a bit of a job on us down at Fratton last season unexpectedly as well. 
Um, just an update. You were talking about Gary Bowyer walking out of the club. Yeah. Not surprised after the Oysters' complete shambles of, of the way they run the club. They're now actually um, managed by Terry McPhillips. Okay. Um, don't know much about him. I really don't know much about myself. Um, but I believe um, he was a assistant to Neil McDonald, who took over after Lee Clark when okay. Neil Clark was there. So, I mean, he's, he's obviously... He's been about the team, He has he? been around, and, it, and he's also assisted in the championship. So, you know, I, don't, I think it's, it's going to be one of these fixtures that we can't take lightly. It could potentially be a bit of a banana skin fixture. They've been on a bad run. They're going to be looking to rectify that. We need to be wary. They of might that. be thinking this is the a game that could possibly get a win here, bounce our season back. Yes, that's correct. That's correct. So we were trying to have a, a sneaky little look, weren't we, in the break, just to see if Blackpool have a higher away attendance um, than they do at home. Obviously, we know they're boycotting Bloomfield Road. Not a penny more, I think it is their campaign. Yeah, not a penny more. Um, I don't know. What, what they've sort of been doing, we, we couldn't really find anything too definitive on what their away attendance is like. Maybe you've all seen um, what, they, what they've what sort they of sold so far in terms of tickets for the weekend. But more importantly, um, well, it's not more importantly because obviously Pompey is life, but there is another massive fixture this season, uh, this season, <laughs> this weekend in it League It is One. Sunderland and Sunderland will be playing... Luton. So, Luton, it must be absolutely... T- well, it's dreadful t- timing for Luton to be facing Sunderland without the manager. Yeah. But on the flip side, you could actually come around and go, Oi, man- teams that lose their manager sometimes tend to rally around for a game. They do. Yeah, yeah. so you, you always think, is it the right time to play a team when they've lost their manager or this has happened? I think that only really works, though, when a team loses their manager because they get sacked. Yeah. And then they rally behind the team. The team, yeah. I think that when the manager's walked out on the team and gone to another club... It tends to deflate the squad. Yeah. And that's what I expect. It'll yeah. be it'll be very interesting to see if Luton can come out all firing. If they come out looking drab and yeah. and lose to Sunderland, that's gonna only be you know, it, it'll be good for us in that one way that it'll show that Luton might have a dip in form. Yeah. Matt, do you still want to draw considering the the terms over this game now? Or would you be looking to see Luton get a bit of a battering and make it a two horse potential race going forward? I mean, mathematically, I always say the draw is best because the three points up for grabs. Yeah. Two rivals playing against us for promotion, and if they only get one point each, that's only two points maximised. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm still for the draw personally. I, I mean, I don't want any advantage to be given to Sunderland. I think everyone will agree Sunderland are probably the biggest threat. Um, yeah. In terms of squad depth players they've got don't really want them kind of pushing closer they they slipped up on the weekend didn't they in one of their um, what's the word for it my brain's gone dead one of their games in hand oh yeah had over us drew with Charlton away from home one all so you know really I know Lee Bowie is trying to say that he thinks Charlton to get automatic promotion this season I mean they're another team that, that could potentially, if Luton don't cope well with Nathan Jones going, they're another team that could slip into that position. Yeah, we saw them at Fratton Park and they are a good team. They're a really, really good team. Um, I've seen, interestingly enough, uh, Andy Orford could potentially come in. Um, caretaker manager role. Caretaker he's, manager. he's familiar in that role, isn't he, Orps? Yeah, yeah. Um, interestingly enough, which 
I mean, I'm just sort of going through the news as, as we're talking now. And the Luton chairman has actually said that he's shattered by the exit of Nathan Jones. So if the chairman's coming out and saying something like that, I wonder if the players are feeling the same I'm as I'm sure well. they will because he's taken through the leagues. But I'd like to point out that Luton didn't want to lose him and it wasn't necessarily a money thing, but they actually he had, apparently had a clause in his contract that was triggered by yeah. Stoke. yeah. So, anyway, enough about Luton for now, Matt. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's focus back on the Charlton game, ready? Okay. So, Charlton game or Blackpool game? Blackpool game, which yep. is Martin Charlton. Yep. Back on the Blackpool game. Let's think about score predictions, mate. What What are you feeling? I know you said a potential banana skin, but yeah, that's a possibility. But I'm going to be honest, mate. We should be confident about this game. They're on a you know, rubbish load of form. This team is bouncing. Even when we yeah. put out our reserve team in the check of trade we're going through. Blackpool will know that we're a good team. They're going to be shitting themselves. What's your match prediction? I'm going to go for a 3-1. I, I don't for one minute think it's going to be a, as easy as the scoreline I'm predicting suggests. I think it could potentially go one all, and then we could just pull away from them in the second half. For me, I would love Dion to get a goal after his performance on Saturday. You think he starts at left back? I think he does. Unless Lee Brown's due back, which I haven't really seen anything about. No, we've about. heard nothing about Lee Brown or Nathan Thompson returning yet. No. So, so he walks the play right back as well. Although, be it, I know Kenny said that he rested Brendan Hamstrup at Norwich because he's returned from injury and true, two games true. in a few days was a little bit too heavy for him. But I think after Dion's performance at Norwich, you can't just then go and drop him. You know, he's earned rightly to, to step in. He puts Dion in centre midfield and keeps Gareth Evans in attacking midfield. And Andre Green remains on the bench, much to the the frustration of Pompey Twitter. Yeah, well, I mean, it would frustrate me a little bit. Um, I think I agree with what you've said about dropping Gareth into central midfield. I think he works hard, as we said earlier in the show. I think that would just work really well for us. Andre Green's clearly playing with a lot of confidence at the moment. He's scoring goals, so therefore fitting into the number 10. You know, he's direct and likes to run at players. I, I think we're going to come out of this with three points, no matter what the situation is. I think it'd be a real disappointment to lose at home, especially after such a big couple of weeks and the results that we've had. I think it would be just another, you know, sort of feeling of Gillingham. If we did lose. Fit. Do you know what? It really baffled me. I, I didn't really hear anything about him being injured in the first place. No, so neither I did I. I don't really know. I'm presuming Hawkins is going to be back on the weekend. Because he wasn't even in the match squad against Norwich. No. I mean, it, it really, if you think about it, he played Gillingham, had a shocker, and then was dropped out of the squad. So, I don't know. But I'm, I'm hoping he is, really, just based on what I saw on the weekend. I think we really, really could do with having him back. And I think, you know, Blackpool... Are quite a physical team and they do like to throw balls into the box as well so in terms of set pieces and corners I think Hawkins would be a good asset to have back there as well you know I'm as I said I'm a big fan of Hawkins and I, I think he just works for a sissies and so I think it's pivotal to have him back if Hawkins First, doesn't play if Hawkins doesn't play then it's naturally it's going to be Brett isn't it and I'm really just hoping for a fleet. Oh, and Ronan's he pushed up top. I know you do. I know you do. I know you're a big fan of, of Ronan being pushed up centrally into the middle. I think he can play there. I think Ireland would play him as a striker. Midfielder or striker, they played him as. They, they, yeah. they see him as a striker. Yeah, no. And, and I, I, don't, I don't doubt for one minute that he can't do that job at all. I just think 
you know, if that was going to be the case, would he even not done that against Norwich on Saturday? Really? Maybe, but it's all about form, isn't it? Well, yeah. I think Pittman played poorly that game, so I just I think it's yeah. an option. I mean, yeah, it's not an option for me personally. I, I, I don't see how he's earned that, whether Hawkins is fit or not. I don't see how he's earned, you know, getting another let's call. Get, up let's get Brad Lethbridge up front. I mean, he works hard, doesn't he? Mm. He's, he's a complete workhorse, but goals wise. Anyway, you know, we'll move on. Anyway, point aside, so yeah, three one for me. First goal scorer is going to be Gareth Evans. I said it against Norwich, but. I think after his goal midweek, he's going to be up for another one. Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to kill the game off with a double from Running Curtis. Nice one. Yep. So that's for me. What about yourself? I'm going to go with three now. Okay. I think that it's one of these games that we've looked so solid defensively at the moment. We haven't conceded in it in quite a long time, I think, isn't it? Well, we didn't concede against South End, didn't concede Norwich. against Norwich. Game before Gillingham. that, yeah, we'll forget the Fleetwood game. conceded to. Fleetwood. Oh right, I'm talking shit. But basically, <clears throat> I think we're going to have a three-one, three-nil win. Yeah, I'm going to go with a goal from Lee Brown. Forty yards. <laughs> Unfortunately, Lee Brown's not here. So let's let's go Ronan Curtis with the first goal. Yeah, I think that we're going to spread the goals around a little bit. I'd like to see Jamal get another one as well. Yep. But and then I also like to see a little cheeky goal from Jack Watmore. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I'd like to see it. I, I mm. think he's earned it with his defensive displays. You know, he's been. Well, I just think that actually he's he's underrated in the air. Oh, of course he is. Mm. I mean, you think how many headers he wins at the back? Yeah, and important important headers as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, it makes me laugh sometimes. You see people say, "Oh, Jack's not so good in the air like Matt Clark." He certainly is. He is. He's, he's... And my my next my little cheeky cheeky bit on the side is is Anton Walks. Okay, yeah, I can well, see him picking the goal up. Scored a screamer at Fleetwood. No yeah. reason for that. No, you're a big fan of the wing back scoring. Yeah, definitely. And and put it out there, Tom Neely or Gio goal at some point, mate. He is. Yeah, he is soon. Yeah. yeah. And this is the sort of game that Tom Neely could score in. So, yeah, I, I agree. You know, no no, no um, harm in, in shouting that one out. No. For sure. Anyway, no, I'm just naming every player on the team, aren't I? Yeah, yeah, you know. Anyone else? Uh, yeah, like, let's throw in. Um, Let's throw in Matt Clark. We're throwing McIvory from a goal kick. He definitely could get an assist or two. <laughs> yeah, we had double <laughs> yeah. seasons, right? McGee could start up front. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he's injured, isn't oh, he? Six weeks, yeah. Yeah, mm. six weeks. Obviously, that's why... Alex um, Bass. Bass, yeah. Come on at right wing. Yeah, clean sheet for him yesterday. He's good in the air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, throw him on me. Throw All right, on. anyway, we'll stop there. This is talking absolute rubbish now. Yeah. Anyway, Pompey fans, uh, give us a follow on Twitter if you don't already, at Pompey News Now, at PO Forecast, at MCorrect87, at Puck Drop UK. Obviously, we're all, uh, listen to us on SoundCloud. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts if you don't already. That really helps us in the podcast ratings and all that malarkey. Give us a follow on Spotify if you prefer to listen that way. And until next time, play up Pompey. Play up Pompey.